Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Tax Security Podcast. Today, we have a very special episode for you. We've got some very special people joining us. We are here at Cisco Live 2018 in Orlando, and we have a very familiar face or voice with us today, David White. How are you doing this morning, David? Wonderful, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Uh, we've got some special new guests for you. we got one of our SGMs. Which is a, what is, what is an SGM, Mr. Jeff? Session Group Manager. Session Group Manager. And what so, do they do? Yeah, so uh, we essentially choose the sessions that the speakers present and uh, review the content and so on. So, fun job. Actually, what they really do is, is decide who gets to speak and who doesn't at Cisco Live, and therefore they are controlling people's careers and, yeah, and truly are. feeling that power trip. The gatekeeper. So, yeah, and that's Jeff Finelli. We didn't properly introduce you yet. So, yeah, Mr. Sorry. Jeff Finelli, we want to make sure that we get you on here. And Aaron Wollen. And hang, hang on, uh, Jeff. And so, Jeff, what's your day job at Cisco? Why don't so you tell my the day, audience? My day job at Cisco, I'm an SE, a principal SE in our uh, security sales org. And yeah, so our architecture team, we support all of our customers globally. It's a fun job. Awesome. So, awesome. so to say something nice about Jeff on record, because it doesn't happen often for me, um, he, he is it, it actually. It never happens. He yeah. is actually one of uh, a very, very talented architect. The amazing thing about Jeff is his ability to uh, still maintain his ability to understand the core networking as well as tie that all together with security, which is actually what he gets paid for. Ah. And uh, he, does, got, he does wait, an amazing job. We get customers. paid? Well, <laughs> uh, apparently, because you, you fly American cars in from Australia to drive I'm, instead of just getting them from the same state that you live in. Which 27 is more convenient payments at Baby's All Mine. <laughs> <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, we have Mr. Aaron Woolen. Aaron, this is what, your third time on the podcast? Uh, third or fourth. Third yeah, or yeah. fourth. Third or fourth. Yeah, but so this, welcome back. This time you can't complain about my microphone because it's yours. That's right. That's it right. Is a, it is ours. We brought our own. Yes. And Aaron, I'm looking at your badge here, and he has a oh, very long yes. list of stickers a on it. A long list of One of them there. which sticks out is Elite. Tell yes. our audience what the Elite sticker means. Oh, so one of the awards that a speaker can get at Cisco Live is, is called a Hall of Fame. And, and well, what's it's that? Distinguished Speaker first. Uh, I'm sorry. Thank you. It is Distinguished Speaker. So Distinguished Speaker is someone who... who was within the top 10%, right? Top That's 10 right. 10% of all, of all sessions. Speakers. It basically means you got all perfect scores. Speaking, right. Which is um, pretty damn hard. In your sessions at yeah. Cisco Live, if you achieve that five times, you make the uh, Hall of Fame. And uh, Elite was for those of us that made the Hall of Fame twice. So he doubled down on the Hall of Fame. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, that means he has scored in the top 10% of all speakers 10 we have been lobbying hard, by the way, to get him excluded from future qualification because yeah. he keeps winning all the awards. And I, I've only made it into the Distinguished Speaker Hall of Fame, but you are another level, the elite. Well I, done. I, well I, done, sir. I am. Um, I just think because it means that uh, I am better at asking for good scores than you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, what are you speaking on this, this time? What wow. can our audience listen to recordings? So sure. we're going to post the recordings of Cisco Live. Um, to those uh, people that weren't able to attend in person. And so what sessions will you have that they could actually listen in on here, this wonderful speaker, and how you eloquently uh, describe, I'm going to guess, ICE, right? Uh, well, Are you doing ICE this you year? You would, you, only a little bit. I've actually left ICE 20 months ago. Whoa! Yeah, so uh, I actually am over in the advanced threat team now at Cisco. have been for 20 months now. and. Uh, uh, but I do focus on integrations, which does include Identity Services Engine naturally, since it's our, our centralized policy manager. Um, 
I have uh, four sessions this year. I've done two already. Um, I had a tectorial, which unfortunately the listeners can't listen in on. Those are those are uh, special sessions that people pay a little extra money, I think, to attend. It was four hours on on integrating and using orchestration tools like Phantoms uh, to orchestrate uh, and automate orchestration of incident response. Uh, I did a keynote at the Talos uh, Security Summit Threats uh, Research Summit yesterday, um, which that's another fun story we might want to talk about. Jam-packed event. Yes, it was. I was going to say, tell us a little bit about that. That, that event was today, was it? actually really interesting. It was really good. It it, it fired off with a, uh, um, a rather famous hacker uh, whose whose uh, tagline is uh, "Puss Cat," and she uh, she started the whole thing off by setting me up for failure, uh, which was wonderful. Um, she started the whole thing off getting a laugh out of the audience, saying that uh, encrypted threat analytics or ETA uh, was BS. Which it is not, by the way. So I actually had to get up on stage and prove that it was not at later on in the day, which was fun. But it was actually it was a really amazing thing. We had uh, analysts. We had Mike Sheck, who is our director from CERT. He was presenting on securing Cisco. Um, we had Omar Santos, which Omar is definitely a friend of your show, right? And Omar, if you didn't uh, throw him off the stage again, I hope. No, I didn't. Uh, no one pushed him off the stage this time, and and I think I think we forced him to use a walker so he wouldn't fall on his own. Yeah. Um, there was talk of harnesses. Yes, yeah, we were thinking about that, kind of like uh, maybe even um, maybe even like the nets that catch trapeze artists. Um, yes, no. and, and for those that don't know, Omar has fallen off the stage twice now twice. and broken <laughs> both sides of his body. Yes, he has shattered his legs twice now. and uh, Once at Cisco Live, actually, in Orlando uh, was, the, was the first time. That's and right. And Cancun was the other one. Yeah, Cisco Live, right. Cancun. Uh, Omar is actually one of our brilliant incident response leaders um, for uh, um, PCERT, our product security incident response team. So he presented on, again, finding uh, vulnerabilities in Cisco and how we handle them. Uh, I spoke on um, the importance of visibility in a world where we're going blind because of the increased in uh, encrypted traffic and the fact that malware goes right inside the same encrypted traffic, right? And so what do we do when, uh, do we decrypt everything on our next generation firewalls that Jeff spent so much time helping to design? Love to, to, s- love to sell them to do that. Right, so. that's kind of yeah. what I talked about. Or can we leverage Cisco networks to route your traffic differently when it needs to be inspected? And that's where you can do your full inline rate, things like that. Let's, so. let's, let's talk a bit, of mo- bit more about that. Um, when it comes to decryption, Jeff, do you work with a lot of customers that are trying to grasp the, the problem that Aaron just outlined in terms of do we decrypt everything? If the answer is yes, for customers out there that are doing all that decryption, what are some of the issues that they're running into? Or can you talk about some customer stories or, or what you're seeing in the field? Yeah, for, for sure. And, and No pressure. It, yeah, it's, it's one of those features that 100% of customers test and like 5% deploy because they they quickly find out there's a lot of challenges with it where things break and so on. But yeah, every customer is grappling with this and, and it, whether it's... Uh, they want to, of course, find bad stuff that's encrypted, but also ensure that they're not breaking compliance rules and decrypting certain traffic types that they shouldn't. Uh, that it's it's a huge concern, and with these changes in protocols and such, it's becoming increasingly difficult to to do that and maintain compliance. For example, not not decrypt banking traffic in Europe. That's a big no-no, right? So uh, the it, it makes the complexity of these using these tools, uh, you know, grow exponentially absolutely and, and yeah and compliance reasons are a big factor obviously as you mentioned you don't want to accidentally 
copy or store someone's banking information. And also, it's a bit of a cat and mouse game, isn't it? I mean, with, with TLS 1.3 coming out and all the different changes with Google, uh, Quick, all this stuff that keeps changing, it's, it's not like we can just figure it out and run with it, right? It's kind of like we are always trying to play catch up, right, when we do decryption? Yeah, the cool thing is we're, we are very well equipped uh, from a, a, a corporate standpoint with the amount of intellectual property we have to, to bring capabilities to bear on this, whether it be with technologies like Umbrella to understand the intent of where users are going before we even see the connection open up. Uh, things like ETA that Aaron talked about, as well as uh, uh, unique capabilities we're building into the firewall to make that decision making around what to do with encryption uh, more intelligent and, and uh, work better with a better end user uh, experience as well. Well, I think it's, you know, that's why we've got a layered approach, right? You've got a, a lot of different options for corporations out there, right? For those that want to do the decryption and then the inspection, or for those that want to leave the crap that, uh, traffic encrypted, right? We've got an, encrypted um, threat analytics, right? Um, so, you know, having a lot of different options at your disposal and just determining where and when in the architecture that you want to deploy the different capabilities is what's really vitally important, right? And that's, Jeff, I think what you and your team help customers do is to understand, hey, where do we want to deploy the different capabilities within a customer's network, right? We sit down and really understand what is it that they're trying to achieve, and then we have a whole arsenal of capabilities that we can bring to bear. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like the airport security mantra, right? If you if you take the highest, most secure level approach to inspecting everybody walking in, nothing would happen, right? The pilots would make it to the plane on time and half your customers wouldn't be customers anymore, et cetera. So same idea around uh, bringing capabilities to bear in our products of, of, of providing a, an intelligent way to choose when to apply the more uh, expensive CPU and cost-wise methods to, to perform inspection and whatnot too. Awesome. So, Aaron, I think we only got halfway through your uh, discussion ah. of the talks, the four talks that you were giving. Yeah. We stopped at number two. What are the other two? Well, uh, on Tuesday, I'm doing my advanced integrations tips and tricks session where we'll talk about actually, you know, not uh, decrypting everything until we see a trigger on um, saying this may be malicious traffic. Let's now go capture all the packets. Let's now go decrypt it, taking alternative paths. Um, so it's a timely topic with Jeff here. Can you give us like a 30-second sneak peek into how do we, how, do, how is it we do that? What is the combination of tools that we're using oh, great. to pull that off? Good question. So uh, this is stuff I love to talk about. So this is where ICE comes in. All right, so with Cisco, we actually have a, an ecosystem that we call Rapid Threat Containment, which is a uh, Cisco marketing name for some actually pretty good technology. Um, and, and ultimately, we can leverage what we're seeing with technologies like Cisco's Cognitive in the cloud, which is all of our machine learning and AI, uh, from Talos, from uh, vulnerability scanners like Nessus, Tenable, you know, Tenable's Nessus or Qualys, from other tools that can then trigger uh, just a, a, an attribute change that says, this is suspicious, monitor it, right? And when something like that happens, we can assign something simple like a SGT, sometimes called a security group tag, other times called a scalable, scalable group, tag, group tag. Scalable group tag, which can tie into ACI and cloud groups, but, uh, and just doing something that simple can completely re-architect the pathing that you're taking through the network and now trigger inspections. So you're talking about using things like ETA, all the different tools that we have to not necessarily say, okay, this is going to IP address X or this is DNS lookup Y, but you can look at the pattern of the encrypted traffic and determine whether or not you want to decrypt it based on that? Absolutely. Wow. Uh, absolutely. We can actually just change, basically it's called a change of authorization. We can change the state of your session on the network 
by using these external attributes. Wow, and you can do that on a per flow basis, right? I mean, this is not necessarily per IP, or is it per flow? How, no. how granular do we get with that? It's it's not per flow at this point. Right? Okay. Um, at least not the way I'm uh, expressing to do it. it. It is basically per network session. So for your authenticated network session, as you're getting on all your traffic then, we can kind of reshape it and, and do what we need to with your traffic once you're known as suspicious. Okay. And when you say session, you're looking, you're saying session from a AAA, like radius type session. Point I am. Okay. I am. Authentication okay. session. User yes. authentication. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Awesome. And you had what? You're, you had a fourth session too, right? I do. I do, which is uh, the one I actually really get paid for, which is <laughs> which is the advanced threat sessions, right? So that's where I'm, I'm talking mostly about endpoint security. So... Um, yeah, so we have a product called Advanced Malware Protection, or AMP, as we call it. Um, it is AMP for endpoints and network. I'm focused mostly on the endpoint in this session. So I talk about AMP, I talk about AnyConnect, and its network visibility module. I talk a lot about cognitive there. I talk a lot about just our new Cisco security connector with Apple iOS, um, and, and what, what a strategy would be for securing endpoints. So I don't know that a lot of uh, our listeners have heard about um, the integration that we've got with Apple. Yeah. So how about you know spend a little bit of time and, and let them know sure. um, what we're doing, what we're doing in partnership with Apple for Sh iOS. Sure. Actually, so a um, couple years ago, when John Chambers was still our CEO, um, we announced a partnership with Apple that we were going to create solutions together for the enterprise. And we actually did that at Cisco Live, we and did. we had Tim Cook. Um, show up as well yep. at the and time to, to co-announce it. That's correct. And that's then right. last year at Cisco Live here in the U.S., Tim Cook came back on the main stage, sorry, came back on the main stage with Chuck Robbins, um, our current CEO, um, and announced finally our first security solution together, which was the Cisco Security Connector for iOS. Um, what we've done is jointly together, we've actually put hooks into the operating system and uh, that are open. Other vendors can use them, but we're the first because we co-developed it with Apple to do two things. One, Apple likes to call it DNS proxy. Right? What it actually is doing is intercepting DNS traffic coming out of your iOS device, and it's linking it to Cisco Umbrella. Right? And if there were a competitor to Umbrella, they could probably use it too. Right? But we're, we're using it, we're taking the DNS traffic, we're sending it out to Umbrella, allowing us to use that DNS control plane to manipulate your content policies, right? What you're allowed to see, what you're not allowed to see. If it's a malicious domain, we send you to a block page. And this is happening for every application running on this iOS device. The second half of this is something called Clarity, which is brand new to Cisco. Um, and when you look at how we're, we're always trying to look at telemetry so that we can see what's happening on an endpoint, right, to correlate it with what's happening on networks, especially as encryption continues to be more and more prevalent. Um, Clarity actually allows us to sit between the application and the network stack itself and look at URLs before encryption. So we can actually list out specifically exactly what URLs every app is going to on that iOS device, right? We're not looking at content, we're looking at metadata. Right, and uh, these were the functionality that, that came together with with Apple jointly for our solutions. And then, how do customers, if they want to leverage this capability in their enterprise, what do they need to purchase to be able to to utilize the capabilities that you just talked about? So the the client itself is called Cisco Security Connector, and it's it's free. All right, um, it's you know licensed at no charge, whatever the legal term is for that. Um, uh, the services are actually where the, the licensing comes in. So if they have an um, if they're an umbrella customer today, 
This is just another device to their per user umbrella count. If they are an AMP for endpoints customer, this is just another connector for AMP for endpoints, and that's the clarity side, right? So clarity goes to the AMP cloud, and the umbrella obviously goes to the umbrella cloud. So Fantastic. So thanks, Aaron. That's awesome. I mean, I can't believe uh, how many sessions you have here. That's uh, a lot of work. Uh, we really appreciate all your, your efforts and your knowledge. Now, uh, Aaron, how many of those sessions did you get because you're friends with Jeff, our SGM here? Oh, um, unfortunately, I think that uh, the fact that I know the SGMs well uh, and I don't know how to say no, I think that's why. <laughs> we keep I piling on so more. Many. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jeff, you do have a hard job, though. So what many people don't see behind the scenes at Cisco Live is several months prior to Cisco Live, probably like six months prior to Cisco Live, we do an open uh, call for sessions or presentations. Correct, yeah. And uh, we kind of advertise internally at Cisco, hey, is there some new session that you want to give? At the same time, we look at all the sessions that were given last time and figure out which ones did customers really want more of and try to target those areas. And the ones that you know they're winding down or the customers aren't as interested in, we kind of weed out and that opens up opportunities. You want to tell us a little bit about that and how much demand? Because I know that uh, I know a lot of people in, uh, in TAC that submit sessions, they get rejected, right? Because we have a very high bar um, for the sessions that we deliver to our customers. We want to make sure that the information is informative that they want to hear. Um, but tell us about you know what you guys do in your process. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll finish with the best way to get a session approved. So um, remind me. And that um, usually involves alcohol yeah. <laughs> or cigars. Bribes of chocolate and alcohol. Now, uh, so you're right. About six months in advance, we do a couple things. We get all of the what are call for papers, which are the submissions folks make for a new session they'd like to present. We also get a list of all of the sessions from last year's Cisco Live US and whether or not that that uh, speaker resubmitted it, which usually they do. And we get a list of all the sessions from the other Cisco Live events in Cancun, Melbourne, and Europe as well. And uh, sometimes you know, it's deduplication happens there, but we pull all those in and we take a look at, uh, of course, the, the, the attendees, the scores, both the speaker score and the session, session score, easy for me to say. And uh, we, we attempt to, to build a base list of sessions that we know we want to run again. And uh, we will purposely not fill up the whole schedule that way because the goal isn't to just do what we did last year. We, we want to have uh, net new content around the 15%, maybe even 20% mark in terms of, of a percentage of, of net new content. And frankly, even the sessions that we choose to run again, we ask that obviously the speakers update those sessions as much as possible. I'm also a speaker, so I, you know, we, we go through and give the same rigorous uh, evaluation to my session, and I, I make an attempt as well to update as much of that content That's as possible. That's right. It, the recurring speakers, yeah. even though they gave the same session name last year, we always update the content Absolutely. to be whatever's the most current you know, new capabilities, new features, or whatever are being brought in because we want to make sure that um, content is That's fresh right. and up to date. And, and sometimes you have, uh, in terms of scoring, if we have a session that had a very large attendance, but but maybe the session score wasn't so good, that means that, well, that topic is still very, was very popular, but maybe there's something that that speaker could do to, to tweak or improve that, that content. content, and we'll work mm -hmm. with them and, and uh, see how we can help them spruce yeah, it and up. And likewise, if we've got good uh, session scores, but poor speaker scores, we could ask that speaker not to come back and replace them with a different speaker as well is, is a possibility. Yeah, that that that's when we, we basically start slashing tires and make sure they can't make it to work that day. Now someone's created. I was no, trying uh, to go to uh, keeping the, you know, making sure that the customers are getting the best speakers possible so we for know sure. that, hey, that 
you know. Yeah, and uh, in in terms of, uh, I always get questions from from folks around Cisco. What's the best way? I submitted a call for paper, but it, it didn't get chosen. I thought it was a great idea. Uh, the best advice that uh, we, we all give as as SGMs, and by the way, there's three of us for security: myself, Randy Rivera, and James Weathersby. Uh, but the best advice I could give is for the 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 person who's looking to submit a session is to look at the sessions last year to go into the CiscoLive.com session directory, which of course we want our customers and employees doing, and look at the content. So if they want to present like a firepower session, well, look at all the firepower sessions that ran last year and see if there's overlap. Maybe the the person has a, a strong concept or idea that there's no overlap. That's a perfect place to start. So at the beginning of each year, we're given a certain number of session slots, and this is based upon how we did last year as a track. So with the security track, we pride ourselves in doing quite well. We have great speakers like Aaron and others, and that means usually every year we get more session slots. Now, we always get a significant higher number of submissions than we have session slots, and, and the job we try to take very seriously, of course, is is to choose not only the best content but the best presenters and, and bring those those uh, that combination of, of great content and great presenter to our customers at Cisco Live because we want our customers obviously to have a great experience. The event is about that customer experience, about helping build Cisco loyalty and of course helping build as much knowledge on our, our great products as possible. So choosing those sessions, choosing those speakers, that that's our primary focus. And and uh, if we can help folks with the uh, career path internally at Cisco, that, that's good too. Absolutely. And, and I must say, you know, just Knowing my friends that are all uh, Cisco security speakers here at Cisco Live, all of them are distinguished speakers or have, you know, uh, been in the Hall of Fame as well. And looking around this table, I see most of us are as well. So I think we kind of have the lead on the other tracks at Cisco with uh, the distinguished speakers. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been interesting because the distinguished speaker program is all about the best sessions and best session scores across Cisco. And security is obviously just a portion of that. There's collaboration, there's networking, there's... There's, there's lots of other sessions that, that we're all competing with, and it's uh, it's not broken up by sessions. I, I will point out, though, as the security track, we have the, not only the most sessions, but the most customers come to Cisco Live attend a security session. So this year we have over 14,000 customers attending at least one security breakout session. And how many customers do we have attending Cisco Live this year? Do you know what the current stats are? I heard 26,000, something like that. I think 26 may include staff. Um, so it's definitely in the 20s. So I, I, I don't know uh, if you back out you know, the speakers and staff. So Significant at, amount. Yeah, yeah, at a minimum, I would say, I mean, at least half, if not two-thirds of everyone here are going to security sessions, Absolutely. which is significant. And at, at a minimum, I would say it's very fair to say that that makes us the largest security conference in the world. Hmm. That's a thought. I, 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 I don't want to make that claim. <laughs> <laughs> not, not publicly, right? <laughs> but yeah, we, certainly we, we pride ourselves on that. We, we've actually discussed making it a separate event, but I, I feel strongly having it Cisco Live. And I know when I came as an attendee, and even now when I'm not uh, doing my duties, I like to attend other sessions. And, and a lot of times I'll, I'll attend routing and switching and, and collaboration sessions and so on. And I know our attendees do as well. 
d d despite maybe what their their nine to five job is, because it gives you the ability to broaden your your expertise and your chops, so to speak, in other areas. Well, it does that, and, and even if you're security focused, I mean, the network is probably the largest security apparatus you have at your disposal, right? And Absolutely. The things that we can do in a Cisco network are just amazing. There's a reason why. So many of us who've been in security for so many years are still here doing this every day with Cisco. So what do you all think is the number one thing that customers are coming to Cisco Live to hear about from a security perspective this year? What is the, what is the hot topic that you're hearing customers talk about and say, hey, I came because I want to learn more about X? I, I'm going to ask this question to Jeff because he gets to see every session. I think the highest attended session, though, is Jerry Lynn's on hacking tools, correct? Yeah, so what really surprised us this year, uh, typically a per somewhere 70%-ish of our sessions are focused on product and solution integration. And we'll have uh, around 15 to now 25% of the sessions around things like analytics and, and hacking and pen testing and so on. And what I'm finding this year, much to my surprise, the, the, the attendance in those sessions has just dramatically increased. So I have several of these types of analytics and, and hacking tool sessions where we're, get, we're seeing three, four, five hundred people wow. registered in Th the session. That's amazing. I'm looking at Randy. Randy's not on mic, but he's sitting at the table. He's longtime SGM, session, session uh, manager that we talked about he's this many years before. But before Jeff right, came on the picture, we talked about, you know, should we pivot a little bit of security sessions at Cisco Live to focus more on the tools and, and the techniques? And we, had, we went round and round for a couple years trying to do this, and we got shot down every time. And it's just amazing to me that now that is one of the hottest tracks or hottest sessions at Cisco Live. It, it's great. I love it. And because, you know, we're having people um, more hands-on with security, right? Not just network operators and security, but, you know, we were trying to recruit some of... Um, you know, s some of the uh, other a uh, areas of the security, um, I don't want to say business, but, you know, the, some of the hackers, we'll say, right, trying to bring them into the conference as well so that they learn a little bit about enterprise networking and securing enterprise networking, um, as well as not just our network operators that are typically here. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at the, um, if you look at the interest from the attendees, um, I mean, well, security is just hot in the industry to begin with, but... Um, you know, this is the first year we had that Talos Threat uh, Research Summit. It sold out, right? I mean, it sold out in, in a they were couple of they days. They were kicking Cisco people out, which is yeah. a good sign because they yeah. wanted to make more room for customers. S standing yeah. room only, you know, um, people were really interested in these topics. And, uh, you know, it, it's not just Talos. I mean, Cisco has a lot of other groups that, that all work with Talos, but it, it also lends a lot to... I think, I think having that organization within Cisco's folds does a lot to explain to the people running the conference about how interesting security really is to the, the Cisco customer. The, the other big increase that I think is tightly connected with that is the uh, increase in interest around programming mm -hmm. and, and API uh, capabilities. So not only breakout sessions we have on these topics, but also the DevNet sessions we have just some phenomenal DevNet sessions uh, that some of them are a little longer than others, and there's a lot of great, like, 20-minute, you can sit down and learn about API programming on a particular security product, et cetera. Awesome content. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So we've talked a lot about the technology aspect of Cisco Live. Uh, Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about what are some of the other, maybe not technology-specific aspects, what makes Cisco Live so exciting and so fun to come to for people? So there's there's a lot of, a lot about it. Obviously, there's a the technology. Where else are you going to come to learn? 
Um, we've been doing this a long time. It used to be called networkers because you weren't just networking physically with networking equipment. You're networking with other professionals in the industry, right? Um, and there's been a, a real subculture that's kind of grown out of this year after year. There's there's programs at Cisco called NetVets, which is you know CCIEs have been coming to Cisco Live for a certain number of years, and they're repeat attendees. Um, you can just look on Twitter and just see how many people are just constantly communicating with one another, meeting up in different areas, right? They've, they've known each other for years already, or they've only seen each other online. And for those of you who've never been to Cisco uh, live, right, what you can kind of expect is just, just uh, it's an incredible friendly culture and environment where everybody's out there helping everybody else. Like uh, a big family reunion. It kind almost, of is. When you're walking maybe, in, right? Maybe a little less drama than a family reunion. <laughs> um, you know, but it, it's even on the, like I, t I took a shuttle bus here yesterday morning and there's one customer met another customer. What are you coming for? And they were both coming to a, a Viptela session, right, for SD-WAN. And the one guy is talking to the other guy about Viptela already. And he's answering questions from on the bus and they exchanged business cards and actually had physical business cards. I couldn't believe it. They exchanged business cards and, you know, to be able to communicate again later. I mean, it's just, it is actual networking from the human side. Yeah, you, you see a lot of that. And I'm, you know, I, I, I have to point out because I'm sitting next to you. Oh God. What you're wearing. Yes. You are wearing a kilt. I am wearing and a kilt. And you talk about subcultures and that's actually a thing here. You it guys is. have a group. Tell me more because a guy yeah. that I work with at work and SE also wears a kilt, right? So, so, so tell us. What's, yes. what's going on there? Um, many, many moons ago, many years ago, a tradition started for Kilted Mondays at Cisco Live, um, and actually at Networkers, even before Cisco Live uh, name took off. Um, and so on Mondays, we wear kilts. Today is Monday. I am wearing a kilt. So, and how many of you are there now in this subculture? Oh, there's a lot. At there's least five. Well, yes. <laughs> the, I, the, the picture I'm I saw last you, year had about 20 in it. So. I'm telling you, there are more. I promise you. It's how not many has me. it grown it's to now? <laughs> no, I, actually, I don't know how many are here. I'm hoping to see others. Um, I've been stuck in this room all day, so I haven't seen too many. But there's probably 100 or so people that, that know the tradition and will will actually do it. Yep. All right. How also Hawaiian that, Thursdays at times, uh, Hawaiian shirt that, Thursdays. Maybe that'll be a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe. how did it? I'm curious. How did it start? Like whose idea was it? Hey, let's wear kilts on Mondays at networkers. I mean, you know, I, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't even know where it started. I just remember the first time many many years ago, someone I really looked up to showed up wearing a kilt, and he is a large man. It was a very large kilt. Uh, and I was like, what are you wearing that for? And he told me about Kilted Mondays. And then I started looking around and noticing all these people wearing kilts, uh, especially when you walk around World of Solutions, it really points itself out. So have you uh, recruited some new people that look up to you to wear kilts on um, Mondays? Working on it. Jeff keeps refusing, though. <laughs> uh, I know he looks up to me and all, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting him to wear the kilt. <laughs> you, you <laughs> Uh, all serious though, you, you were talking about the culture at Cisco Live. And one of the things that we try to do as well, and I've been blessed, I think it's my 30th time presenting at a Cisco Live, not year, right? Uh, I travel out around and do a lot of these, but we want customers to feel connected not only to each other, but to, to us employees as well. I mean, we're regular guys, obviously, and, and 
when they're here and gals and gals i i use that collectively i'm northerner so i don't have the y'all in my uh, vocabulary <laughs> uh, but we, we want customers to feel connected to us in a way that that they feel comfortable hey call me email me uh reach out to me on uh social media jabber what have you and when whether they come in person or they just watch the content online which is great and we we do full video recordings as you know of all the sessions that they should feel comfortable reaching out to us they're a customer they're important to us and and we're we're together in this community and and i know when i present i always give out my my address and i hand out cards at the end and and i think people sometimes feel like they're bothering us or i i I hand out 500 cards a year I've, i've maybe a dozen people reach out to me after Cisco Live. It's never a burden. It's always great. And I learn from them. And, and it's important to, to build those connections and make people feel connected to us personally. Yeah, I think year after year, what customers tell me is a reason they come back. And a lot of them, you know, I, I was talking to a guy last year at uh, Cisco Live, and he was saying, you know, even if my company didn't pay for me to come, I would foot my own bill to come here. And I said, well, why is that? Why is it, you know, so important to you? Is it is it the training you get? He's like, that's one thing. But it's another thing he's like, you guys don't realize is, and a lot of people might not realize until they actually try it themselves is you can go up to any Cisco employee that they see and ask them any question and they're and they're willing to help them right and it's it could be a product manager it could be a development engineer that developed a feature that you want to know about it could be in the you know the technical solutions clinic attack that you know you have questions on your design it could be a speaker he's like everybody from Cisco shows up and they're here to help us right to answer our questions and I can talk to and they will help me find the right person at Cisco he's like where else can you go and, and do that right you know it's a huge company but it's one that's opens themselves up to really be there for the customers and to answer any questions that they might have. He said, that's just truly remarkable. And, you know, I I was just, I was blown away by it, you know? No, no, I've actually heard the exact same feedback um, from customers that that's why they come year after year after year. And there are customers that I've, I've met with. I know I actually consider that I have a relationship with them now because we've, we've communicated so often and met at so many different Cisco lives over the years. Um, But that's also the same reason the speakers come back. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I'm not here because I have to be, I, I, you know, we actually do come for the customers. It, it is fantastic. The amount of en- the type of energy, the questions, the interaction, just the, the 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 entire just feel of being here, interacting with them and helping them solve a problem is wonderful. Right? Yeah, and that, that's focused in our in our Meet the Engineer sessions as well, where uh, all of us that are here, we try to to participate and meet the engineer and where customers can sign up for time, obviously, and, and choose an area of expertise. I'd like to speak to someone about routing and switching or security or collab and, and sit down with an SE for an, for an hour or so. And as a SE, I'd love doing that because uh, oftentimes it's the smaller customers who maybe don't uh, get to see uh, or interact with the Cisco account team on a regular basis. And, and I see how helpful it is for them to be able to to uh, to have those interactions and like you said, you ask a question like I, I don't know the answer, but let me let me call the the engineer who wrote that part of the code and, and we'll ask them for you and, and they feel so <laughs> they're so happy that, to to yeah. have those experiences. Yeah, I mean, I, I can think of a few that I've had over the years. Um, oh, yeah. You know, one of them where I'm like, I don't know, I'll I'll ask the developer. Hang on, I called him up because he was you know out in the world of solutions. I told him to come in and the guy's like. You just called the developer in that wrote this piece of code to answer a question. I'm like, yeah, he's right there. Heck you yeah, know? we're exactly. not we're not nameless faces here. Exactly. That's why I want customers I to feel the same thing. And, and and the other that that blew me away is I love to hear how they're using our technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a guy last year that uh, he was he wanted a, a an outdoor router on a pole because it was being used to measure the level of water 
right in in some um, reservoir somewhere right and he needed to have you know he had sensors for flow rate and all this other stuff but he needed to be able to connect it back and I'm like wow that's a really cool application right we don't really think about that I mean we think of traditional networks but you're thinking you know on the edges and stuff it was uh, it was really cool so being able to interact with customers and see how they're using their technology in ways that you know I I really didn't think of is is really cool now, now you're the router on a pole guy yeah. <laughs> right um, uh, you know after having those customer interactions we we all get pulled into a lot of those meet the engineers sometimes go meet the experts um we all do you know, tack you guys have uh entire technical solutions clinic here, we do right where you guys will sit there with a whiteboard and work on solutions with customers but um like i work for the business units right um we develop the products and so forth and we're responsible to come back with our customer feedback that we got from events like this from those meet the engineer sessions and actually present that to the, the the leaders who are making all the decisions around the product, right? The people that we work with to say, this is what this customer is doing. This is what they needed. This is why they needed it, right? We need to include this in our in our, our product designs and here's why, right? Yep, take that feedback back and actually help it to improve the product and deliver what the customers are asking us to deliver. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's crucial. I mean, that's one of the things that we took away. We were in Barcelona last year, and we were, you know, I had a few meet the engineers with some big service providers in Europe, and, you know, they had a list of things that they loved about our products. This was specifically firepower, right, because that's sort of my area of expertise. And then some things that, you know, they thought needed to be improved. Uh, we took that feedback. We worked with the engineering business units, and we, you know, we got, obviously, not all, but some of their concerns and things they wanted to see into the product. And so um, Cisco Live is a great place for networking, great place to learn, but also to provide feedback to Cisco because we, we we love that feedback. We rely on that feedback, and it does it makes it to the right ears, like you guys were saying. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on here. It's it's a great uh, privilege to be able to take some of your time. Uh, Jeff Finelli, our SGM here, is with us today. Aaron Woland. We've got a Hall of Famer right here in front of us. Of course, David White. Always great to see you. And of course, you, Kevin Klaus. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. It's been fun. Uh, we're gonna try and do some more of these uh, here very soon. Thank you guys so much for joining us for Tax Security Podcast. We'll see you soon.